Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers, thank you for joining me. Today I have on Mike Fiorini. He is the Vice President of Risk Management Services at Metsco Energy Solutions. And I had the personal pleasure of working alongside him while he was the Marketing Strategy and Innovations Lead of the Power and Dams Group at Stantec. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me, Keelan. So before we get into why I had you on, which is sort of a, a culmination of like finding your awesome being able to pick out skill sets in your team. I'm curious to know how you got started in this industry. What's your story? Well, that's a good question. And I, and I, I, I kind of bounce around in terms of how I tell it, depending who I'm talking to. It was a very indirect path. I started as a project manager within the construction industry, and I kind of worked my way up through the business process from there. I just, I kind of found, I kept gravitating upstream in the business process, mm-hmm. moving from the projects to how the projects were contracted, to how the businesses were arranged, the business development, the strategy of it, right? Just kind of kept going up the business process or the value chain, depending on, on how you look at it. Perfect. Okay. So we talked over this concept of Owning your awesome. I believe that's a direct quote of yours. <laughs> <laughs> what does that look like for you professionally? Well, when I tell folks to, you know, own your awesome, it is really the idea of just accept that you're great at what you're great at, you know, and hold true to what you enjoy doing and, and accept that you can do things very well and you can do them in an environment that may not be conducive to recognizing it. And so if from an AEC perspective, right, we all know that if you've worked in AEC marketing, we're always in a pressure cooker and it's very easy for your expertise to be overlooked by yourself or by some of your colleagues simply because you're trying to get something done. You're trying to sell something. So the art of that selling can be overlooked in lieu of what's being sold. Right. And I think... One of the things that we also talked about is that a lot of the times, and I've touched on this with a few other people before as well, is when we're tasked to do certain things, there is sort of this narrative of like, I'm just marketing. When really marketing is so huge and there's so much strategy involved that there can't really be any, I am just talk in this industry because we, none of us are all just, I am just people, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And any language, any diminutive type of language, to be honest, when I hear I'm just, I actually interpret that in many ways to sound like a pejorative term. Sure. Right. Like that, that immediately sets up a form of inequity. I am just, well, no, 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 no. You are, I am. There's no just about it because the truth is when we're talking about it, again, within a firm where marketing is considered a a functional service team, right? If you look at what marketing is as a term, super broad, 
super broad. Right. It can cover so many different disciplines. And let's be clear, within marketing, there are distinct disciplines that I would put up against other more conventional technical disciplines in as far as how they're defined and how they're executed and how they're measured. Right. So if right. you really want to line things up. So when we talk marketing, just as you know, we're talking on a, in a technical sense, in an engineering firm, you've got your discipline, and then you've got your marketing, which is the functional service team that helps sell it. Well, if you go to a marketing department or a marketing agency, I would say you've got those types of disciplines. Right. So when I hear folks say, well, I'm just this, it's like, well, no, no, no. That is born of that context of, well, you know, I'm in a company that focuses on this. So therefore, I'm only that. Right. Right. And, and that's kind of the, that was kind of the catalyst for the idea of owning your awesome. You know sure. what I mean? It's just like recognize that what you have, it's an expertise and it matters and it's diverse. Marketing teams are diverse in what we deliver, diverse in our skill sets, diverse in our personality profiles and our aptitudes. Right. And so when you look at that, that whole idea of, well, well I'm just this is like, no, 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 that, that falls into a narrative that uh, sells short the complexity of what it is that we actually deliver. Sure. Yep. So as a leader, how do you help your colleagues and even some of the people that you report to sort of step into their value? Well, (laughs) it it depends really on who I'm working with and how, but some baseline approaches to it. Number one, and, and I know this sounds nitpicky, but I try and call out as soon as I hear I'm just, or I just want to ask, or I just want to do, or I'm just this, I call that out. And I try and get folks to steer away, not only from using that language, because mm-hmm. there is some truth to the idea that language is power, right? So first of all, try and get rid of any diminutive type or pejorative type language from any self-reference, but then also to really help folks see the value that they bring. And even in cases where we're working with with colleagues who don't fully get it. And what do I mean by that? Well, when we're talking marketing, like when you, if we're in an organization and I've worked across, you know, from construction organizations, different types of professional services firms, right? Like I've been around. And one of the things that I've seen is that some folks will have a differing degree of understanding of what that giant bracket term marketing can be but also a different appreciation based on what they understand it to be. Sure. So what I'll do is I'll try and pull them out of, I'll pull colleagues of mine, whether they report to me or not, I'll pull them out of that myopic sense of, well, I'm just marketing, you know, well, what we do is kind of just a little bit of window dressing on the side. And I help them identify the real value of what is being delivered. And I kind of unpack what it is. Let's think it through. What are we doing here? Why are we doing this? What are the implications of this? Mm-hmm. And one of the most powerful ways to do that is, again, I do. it's kind of a hybrid of my strategy work, right? So a lot of what I would do is I would crush all the market data, mm-hmm. right? Metadata right down into some granular market segmentation and, and identification straight through to clients. And I, and I would take various members of my team along for the ride, depending on what they're doing. I'll help them own part of it. And so they'll see how they can take market data, big picture market data, and fine tune it into whatever their specific discipline is. Like I, I always say that marketing and business development is the articulation of strategy. Strategy is the crystallization of intention. 
And so the marketing team are very much, once I start to connect with guys, you own this, look at this. You guys are the arbiter of the intention at the end of the day. You know, you're not just, you're a big piece of this. Whether you see it or not, my job is to help folks see it. Yeah. So then assuming your colleagues don't know what they're passionate about, how do you help them sort of find their awesome? Is this just something where you see a skill set of theirs and sort of keep plugging them into that role? Or how does that usually work for you as a leader? Well, one thing, Keelan, I got to say, I love the fact that you're, you're calling them my colleagues because reports or not, I think every, every leader needs to recognize first and foremost, everyone they work with is their colleagues. Right. The difference is for those with whom I am tasked with leading, I bear the responsibility unto them to help them get to where they got to go. And part of that is to help them see they're awesome, right? right. To recognize. And so one of the things I like to do is I'll sit down with folks because we all have job descriptions. When we go somewhere, we know what it is that the company has defined that we need to provide for mutual success. And let's just say 80% of our time is filled with mandated requirements. Mm -hmm. Great. So of that 80%, I try and really, again, make that connection as to how integral, why that is. And most companies aren't in the habit of of having splashy mandates, right? We don't really have departments with a lot of spare room. We don't have folks that have a lot of fat to trim on their mandates, right? Right. And so out of, let's say we've got 80% of your time is spent with mandated requirements. So first off, we identify and prioritize the most essential stuff out of that 80%. We line that up with as to why it's a priority and make sure that folks get it and they're able to excel at that. And then from there, the remaining 20%, we're going to look at and say, okay, so we know what we have to do. Now let's see what out of that 80% that we've got identified, is there anything in there that doesn't cover what you're really passionate, what else you may be passionate about? Because if there's anything that's left uncovered, let's fill it up with that 20%. Because again, and you've heard me say this before, you know, there's always way too much work for any given department. So, you know what, let's make sure that you're doing stuff that you find fulfilling. And if we can't find all of it in that 80% of your job, we're going to fill it up in that 20%. We're going to give you some control to be able to focus on what it is that satisfies you because chances are it's in that 20%, we're gonna find a a way to build that into your 80% next year in some way, shape or form. If it, you know, it's all about finding what supports the company, what do we owe the company and how do we make sure we're nourishing you as much as possible in what you're doing? That sort of spins into my next question, which is right now, it seems like there's just a shortage of people in general, no -hmm. matter what industry you're in. What is your approach to turning a resource shortage, resource being people again, shortage into an advantage? Yeah, well, good question, right? Because <laughs> that's, that's, you know, how, how do we spin uh, straw into gold, right? How do, you know, right. How, do I, how do I be the Rumpelstiltskin here? And uh, the truth is, it's just that, that whole idea of there's more than enough work to go around. We're always going to be under understaffed. So... Of that, there's chances are there's big chunks of work that we can break off to nourish folks. Right. 
right? Like that's, that's really the key there. So for example, I've had members on, on marketing teams where <clears throat> they were required to do a, a majority of their time was to be spent on the development or the support of proposal generation and business development support. Mm-hmm. And some of these folks really had a passion for communications and PR. So then it became, all right, so how do we leverage what you've got to do? Because those are two seemingly different, different paths. Right. You know what? Then it became a matter of, okay, so if this is what we got to do, if this is where you really want to be, this is some of the stuff you enjoy, let's work on getting you exposed into that and build a bridge between what you're doing from a business development angle and business development support into ways to get you engaged with what nourishes you. And eventually it turned into a content marketing path and developing specific account-based type of approaches. I wanted to do this more so at, at Stantec. We had more people there. I've done it in the past at other groups though. Like that whole idea, explicitly that one there, that example that I'm citing is from a couple lives past, right? And, and again, it was the company still needed this person to do what they were doing, but it also needed them to do what was outside of their mandate because it wasn't really covered. It didn't have enough people to do it. Sure. And, and within two years, that person started to pivot over more so into that content and PR world that they started to enjoy. Right. And because we had done it in a manner where they got the experience, they started, they knew it was something and they proved the value to the company to themselves. We were able to transition a role that way. Right. So there's nothing about this that happens overnight. That's the one thing, right? So being resource constrained on the one hand, doesn't let you make the immediate moves you want to make. You're not going to get a posting available. However, what you, the way to look at it is great. You know what? We don't have enough hands to go around, but what it does mean is that if we take a, a, a deliberate approach to how we structure our team and how we make things available and how we consider our work and how we build these career plans, there's more than enough availability of work for folks to sample and get into. Right. Yeah. And then eventually prove the value of that work over time. Yep. And the nice thing is, right. So when we do that, so what I like to do is when, whenever we would do like uh, someone's annual plan, right. We would say, okay, so here's what you're obligated to. Now, if this is what you enjoy, you know what, let's get a little uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's, let's really, if this is what you enjoy, let's, let's prove it. So, you know, here's some stuff uh, to get you involved in that. And here's a growth area relative to that, whatever the case may be, right? So it's one right. of those things where if we always, there's always a forward motion in terms of, or intention, I should say, in terms of thinking about growth. This is what you want to get into. Great. So we're going to build X, Y, and Z. And the Z portion of this is something it's in definitely involved in that. You don't know it yet, but by the end of the year, you're going to show me how much you've grown because you'll have hit the following milestones and you'll have delivered that. Right. And again, if we had a full complement of staff on our team that was hitting every single piece of work, that would be a much tougher approach to pull off because chances are all of our major disciplines would be covered. All of our major roles would be filled. But when we're resource constrained, it's definitely a pain. But the silver lining to that is, okay, great. You know what? It allows for growth. It allows for, for experimentation and allows for people to really start to better appreciate where they are and where they want to go. Yeah. And that's such a good point, you know, because seeing this sort of 
lack of resource or lack of staffing as an opportunity is a much better way to frame everything than to just be upset that you don't have enough people. (laughs) Well, honestly, that was a lesson I learned in, in theory, not in terms of practice, but in theory back in my project management days. Right. Because I could never, I never had enough guys to, to close out a project. Never. And so I was like, all right, so out of the guys that I do have, okay, where are we, right? How, right. how do I got to get, how do I, how can I roll these guys into the next project quicker, faster? Well, we're going to look at, okay, so I know that this person's currently doing this related to the, you know, to the contract I have with this company, person can do why, right? And so I would start to break stuff off that way. And I just kind of resurrected it as I got into uh, more of a corporate setting. Yeah. And it's a perfect approach. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And it's because it, it, here's it, in the flip side to it. You ain't got a choice. <laughs> we're, not, we're not getting budget. <laughs> and in truth, the other thing that it offers you, it allows you to have a very honest conversation with your team. Sure. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Right. And the biggest thing is too, is that when you expose folks, when you give them the ability to say, I like doing this, help me get exposed to this. Mm -hmm. If it's the right course, you'll find that 20% in terms of mandated hours, that could be, let's say 20%. But if they're digging it, that's the kind of OT that people will put in without blinking. Right. Because you know what? It's nourishing them beyond a timesheet. It's nourishing them beyond the specific deliverable. Yeah. Yeah. And so I find that that tends to be some of the richest work. Again, if you can't get 100% of that person's passion captured in their 80% to the company, again, these are, you know, this whole 80, 20 split, I'm literally pulling that out of the air, but you get the idea, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Let's draw some rough equivalents in terms of, you know, let's get back to owning your awesome. And we'll broach it from a different perspective because one of the things that I've always been keen to do is to make sure that everyone on any team in any given organization is respected equally. And and Keelan, I'm going to pull you yourself into this conversation. Sure. Yep. So, Drag me in. <laughs> so one of the things I did is I've always been clear. And part of this is, again, because I have a bit of a weird background, right? I made a real strong point to be able to draw some very hard parallels mm-hmm. between quote unquote marketing and other disciplines within the AEC world. Sure. Specifically, I went to town. You may have heard me do this. You may have seen me do this to get folks to appreciate and to understand and to recognize that our proposal leaders in these large, multidiscipline, very convoluted, very strict pursuits are every bit a project manager as a conventional project manager. In the conventional sense, I should say, because one of the one of the things that I've done is I've looked at I've looked at because I've run projects, I've been in charge of, of managing programs and during programs, I've done it, mm-hmm. and I've and I've walked the strategy lanes, I've walked the conceptual lanes, I've walked the BD lanes, I've done the sales, I've I've, I've been around, 
And one of the things that I was really keen to make sure folks appreciate it, and this is where you're going to come in, is in breaking down what it takes to deliver some of these large-scale, quote-unquote, marketing projects. Mm-hmm. And so I, I sat down leadership, and I've done this not only at this organization, I've done uh, my prior at Stantec. I haven't needed to do this at Medsco, but you know, at other organizations to be able to say, look, when we talk about delivering one of these things, here's what's involved. And I actually just broke down all of the functions, the parameters, the deliverables, and I made it indistinguishable. between what is conventionally accepted as a project manager and and delivering a project to delivering one of these proposals Mm -hmm. or to delivering a major marketing initiative, right? Boiled it down. And I found that breaking it down and kind of uh, dissolving that, you know, what quote unquote marketing filter Mm -hmm. started to open a lot of eyes. And one of the last conversations I had on the subject was I brought you up as a direct reference. Right. Because I okay. said, look, if you look at this one proposal that Keelan delivered, Keelan was the undisputed authority in how this got done. <laughs> and if you look at the tools and for those of you, for anybody listening who hasn't worked with Keelan, she's a machine. I don't know if it's been said <laughs> or not, but, you know, it was an absolute pleasure to work with Keelan. And, and again, even in Stantec, there are some rock stars throughout that marketing team i had some amazing ones on the power and dams team so proud of but i'm going to pick on you keelan because you're here yeah and so what i can say is <laughs> you know it was very easy based on the structure the accountability the oversight provided and the responsibility displayed to break that down right. to be able to say look you know what Stop talking about this as a BD thing or a marketing thing. This is just a thing that is regimented and strict like anything else that we deliver. Therefore, it needs to have similar accountabilities and priority as anything else we deliver. And so let's take it a step further. Because one of the things I said, and, and for anyone listening in the AEC world or the construction services, however you want to look at it, think about it from this perspective. There should be no difference in the rigor and the discipline that you accept on a proposal or a project that is upstream in the development cycle, aka before the deal is made or to get the deal made. There should be no less discipline or rigor applied there than downstream in delivering the work Mm -hmm. because it's all part of the same sales process. Yep. We shouldn't be more forgiving of issues in securing the work versus delivering the work. And sometimes in some organizations, people may lose sight of that. Yeah. And as marketers, I would say never lose sight of that. It is every bit as important. And own that. Recognize that, that it is, you know, this is no less complicated Anybody who's delivered, and again, I'm going to pick on you, thinking about that massive MSA that we worked on together. I got to tell you, that scared the hell out of me. And I was, <laughs> I was happy knowing that you were the PM on that one. You were driving the bus. And that at every stop, you knew how to pull stuff out of people, right? Yeah. And you knew how to keep people in line. You knew when people were falling behind. You knew how to crack the whip or how to facilitate an exchange. Let's be honest. There were a couple of times when you kept me off of someone's throat and vice versa in some of those meetings, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> yep. Yep. And so I, and I'm going to draw a parallel for you. Let's go back. I'll, I'll go back to my construction day, my construction management days or project management days. Cause I used to bounce between uh, site visits and, and project visits for like boardroom visits and whatnot. And I got to tell you, all of the things that we do when we're managing some of these big, again, quote unquote, marketing projects, I could line up with direct experience from the field, project development side, same thing, same thing. You know, you've got someone who on a project keeps the subcontractors from killing each other. Right. You've got the electricians who want to go after the HVAC guys. <laughs> really? You, you've got that one person saying, no, 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 we're all pulling together to get this one thing built. You're going to do this. You're going to go back in your corner. You're going to deliver this as per contract. Like it's in terms of discipline, in terms of rigor, no different. I think you're the first person that actually drew that parallel for me. And it was during this proposal that we're talking about. And I think early on, you actually started referring to me as a project manager and since working with the people on that team, they've now started referring to me as a project manager. And I think mm -hmm. one of the reasons now it's making sense that you were able to do that is because you're able to see both sides, whereas a lot of people in this industry have only really had experience on one side of this, either the pursuit side or the delivery side. Mm -hmm. And it's yep. such a valuable connection to make because then we're all speaking the same language. Now there's no line between marketing and engineering or, you know, whatever the discipline might be. Yep. But just that, like you said, language does shape a lot of how we act and a lot of how we feel. And I think just even that simple shift in even referring to someone like me as, as a project manager has completely changed how these certain people approach working with me. So that is massive. <laughs> and I would encourage anyone listening. This applies to you too. Again, and this goes back to, you know, this is why I, I react. I, I, I might cringe. I don't have much of a poker face. You can probably hear it through my voice, but I hate it when I hear it anyone speak about what they do in particular marketing staff. I'm just this, or I'm just, it's almost like you've accepted that your work is on a different track is less than there is no less than we're all moving toward the same objective. Sure. And, and again, it's from that background and that, and, and Keelan, that's why once I unpacked it to dissolve that breakdown, senior leadership, like, you know, when I was having, cause I've been talking about this for a while, when, referring to you and to other members of the power and dams marketing team in making, you know, one of the last conversations I had with this, all I needed to do is just start to just rattle off some names, some jobs and start to just draw those immediate parallels. And there was not an ounce of resistance because immediately we took the parlance and some of this may be legacy from just how things may have worked in the past. There may have never been a good appreciation for, again, quote unquote marketing, right. as far as the complexity of it. There may never have been in some of the folks we may have dealt with, but I think shifting that parlance into a more project specific term or more technical friendly language, mm -hmm. I think that helped. If you notice a lot of how I refer to the things when we were working, I try and take things and put them into couch things in technical terms that our audience may, may be more familiar with. Sure. Like 
perfect example. Myself and a couple of team members way back, I want to say five, six years ago, we built a knowledge management framework to be able to house stuff that our that the corporate knowledge management framework at the time was not equipped. So I was like, look, we're not going to wait for, for one to get built. We need this now. We're going to build one. Mm-hmm. And so the question was, well, how do we do this? And I was like, well, guys, let's look at what we're doing here. We have an audience, right? Let's, let's do a stakeholder breakdown. It's us. It's our colleagues from over here. It's our colleagues from over there. All right. So we know that they're entrenched in looking at things and using certain types of tools. We're in the minority here. We all work together though. What we're going to do, ah, we're going to, what kind of naming convention is going to work? We're going to use MEDAD. And I remember some of our, some of the marketing team was like, what the hell is MEDAD? And I'm like, it's a naming convention that most engineers are going to be familiar with. That's what we're going to do. Right. And so again, we shifted what would have otherwise been a parlance that we're comfortable with. We put it into their terms and suddenly we flattened everything out. And I kind of took the same approach again with this idea of helping folks realize, hey, you work with PMs, you know, like your marketing staff, your marketing teammates, they're, they're every bit the, the professionals, <clears throat> experts that you guys are. Again, shifting the parlance, right? So that's one part of it. And the other part of it is as well, own your awesome, recognize. So, you know, shifting the parlance and, and pointing things out is one thing. The other, the flip side to that coin is we as individuals have to own it. We have to accept that. Right. Right. Because it's one thing to, to talk in a certain way and to try and, and build those parallels. People just, you know, just put this Make here and I want this. Yeah. Or, you know, people would come in with conceptions of how it should look. Mm. And it's like, no, because your expertise is in, you know, construction or your expertise is in this particular facet of design, that person's expertise is how to understand how many seconds on a page someone's going to spend on this and how to give it the most impact. Yeah, That is not what you do. That's what that person does. So you're going to listen to that expert, that kind of thing. If our graphic designers didn't know how good they were and didn't accept how good they were, it would be a bit of a harder conversation to have if they just acquiesced and said, well, you know, this is what they wanted. Yeah. Right. So again, own your awesome, accept that you're an expert in your field. You've been doing this for a while. It is a discipline. It does have rigor, Accept that you're awesome at it and push that forward and go forward with that. Hold yourself to that. And then also how you talk about yourself, how you present yourself and how you present your team. It matters. I love that. I'm going to actually end it right there on that strong note. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. My pleasure, Keelan. My pleasure. And again, for those of you who haven't had a chance to work with Keelan, you're missing out. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, Keelan. All the best to you. Thank you for having me on. Very much appreciated. Absolutely. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.